Drunk Dish contains adult language that may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Drunk Dish, where three delicious dishes explore food history and get pickled in the process. This is episode number nine, Waffles and Globalism. Two of my favorite things. (laughs) I'm Melissa. I'm Amy. I don't know what order we're supposed to go in. (laughs) Shit, did I mess it up? And I'm Kate. (laughs) That's all three of us. That's us. We're doing great. Two of us definitely haven't already been drinking for hours no nope. um, <laughs> it's just the heat the heat affects everyone yeah. guys it's fucking hot as balls oh my god hampshire it's, it's better than last week though that's true, true. that is but true. like barely yeah like we postponed recording oh that reminds me i gotta get this video edited tomorrow yep fuck yep i also have a bunch of homework due all right wow um <laughs> It's been a week. So every week, uh, Kate likes to ask us one food-related question. Um, so Kate, what do you have for us this week? Okay. Um, so this is a pretty, I think, a pretty straightforward question. Um, we kind of know the difference between somebody who is a cook and someone who is a baker, right? Mm-hmm. It's a different. It's totally different. It's mm-hmm. not the same thing. You are, and most people, I think... And this is the question. I think most people are either think of themselves as a cook or as a baker. Mm-hmm. And not not necessarily as one right or wrong, but it's a just a different brain space. So that's my question. Do you think that you consider yourself more of a cook or more of a baker? And why? Like what? Yeah. And, you know, I, I would say that... Um, well, I'll, I'll let you, you guys... You, you tell me. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> Uh, all right, yeah, I'll go first. I'm 100% a baker. Okay. Like, 100% give me a fucking recipe. Yeah. Instructions to follow with exact measurements. Mm-hmm. Even then, I might fuck it up, but that's just baking, which is kind of the funny thing about baking, because baking's about being precise, and, like, everything has a science, but then, like, you could make the exact same fucking ciabatta recipe, and it's going to come out completely yeah. different. I've tried to make the perfect ciabatta loaf probably 10 times at this point and it's been different every mm-hmm. motherfucking time. Mm-hmm. It's really fucking annoying. But give me a, a, a list of ingredients. Give me um, um, measurements and an order to do it in and a technique to use and I'm good. You Tell me it. to cook a piece of meat mm-hmm. until it's done. <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> like I cooked chicken the other week. I actually, because I was making my lunch for the week, and I said, you know what? I'm going to cook the chicken mm-hmm. for my lunch. Mm-hmm. And Greg had to help me constantly because I was like, how do I know it's done? He's like, I'll oh, just poke it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What the fuck do you mean just poke it? <laughs> you check the coloring uh, and the temperature. Like, how do you, what? Right. He's like, poke it. How does it feel? I don't know. It feels, it feels like, like chicken. A, it feels like a piece of chicken. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, and the outside, just because the outside looks like it's done doesn't mean that the inside is done. And I mean, you you certainly have a, a, a part of baking is definitely that, where you just kind of have to know, like, when something's done proofing. Right. And that comes with time and mm-hmm. practice mm-hmm. and knowing that this is proofed enough and it's going to work, it's not going to collapse mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, 
and knowing that you know like say a chocolate cake is done because it's kind of hard to tell yeah when a chocolate i mean you can do the toothpick thing but it's also really easy to overbake it because you can't like, tell when it's fat. burned yeah because right. it's chocolate <clears throat> so i get that but like i don't know greg can just like throw shit in a pot and it turns into a thing and it's food yeah like which is why he handles dinner basically every night because yeah i i don't know what i'm doing i make you you need 24 cupcakes done you yeah. need them to be vegan done you want like my margarita cupcakes mm. my cookies and cream cupcakes what yeah. do you want i can mm. do it you want angel food cake easy we just watched a video the other day from bon appetit on how to make angel food cake and greg's like ah it's so much work just make it just making a yellow cake and i'm like it's super easy like yeah, it's yeah. not it just hard. take the yolks out like what's, i mean you gotta whip I mean, it make sure of, you don't yeah. overmix the over mix the meringue, meringue and yeah. all of that mm-hmm. stuff but like last time i made angel food cake like it was so easy and he was just like how do you how do you do that and i'm like how do you throw a bunch of shit in a pan Mm -hmm. and have it be edible yeah (laughs) i don't know man but yeah so i'm definitely a baker that's definitely my my thing for sure same i'm a baker (laughs) yeah it's for the exact opposite reason that you're a baker because i feel like it's easier to improvise with baking than it is really at like mealtime yeah because i feel like like when i improvise at mealtime a lot of times it's like a complete disaster <laughs> complete okay. i think it depends what you're improvising yeah so with baking you can in- improvise with spices right and flavoring you can't improvise with like the core this is how right. much flour you need based on how much liquid you have like that right. sort of thing. right yeah and that like that i appreciate with and i've gotten really good over the years at like eyeballing that stuff like the the ratios of ingredients so it's easier for me to like whip something up baking wise that I only really half know what I'm doing than it is for me to whip something up like meal wise. Hmm. Okay. Um, and it, like I love improvising with like flavor combinations and spices and things like that too. We're like there, as we know, I'm a very picky eater. So there's like if I improvise too much with like a meal. There's a really solid chance I'm not even going to want to eat what I cooked. I gotcha. Like I made this um, a couple weeks ago. I made this um, like Spanish rice chicken casserole kind of meal and we didn't have all the ingredients. So I improvised a little bit and the kids loved it and Jake loved it. But I was like, it's too tomatoey. Like it's got too much tomato. It's giving me heartburn. Oh no. Oh like no. I can't eat it. So I ended up making myself a grilled cheese fucking sandwich because again, I'm a five year old. There's one thing you take away from this podcast. It's I'm a five year old. But let's be fair, grilled cheese sandwich is it's perfection. The perfect meal. It's basically good no matter what. Yeah. I wanna yeah. open up a food truck that is just grilled cheese sandwiches, but like fancy grilled cheese sandwiches. Yeah. I don't think there's one in around here. But. Yeah. I, I mix up the mics again, by the way. Fun. <laughs> so are you one or two? Oh, I'm always one. Oh, okay. But so. I mixed you guys up. Oh. So Amy's two and and Kate is three. So I was turning Kate up and not understanding why Amy was weird. getting echoier. <laughs> weird. I figured it out. Yay. Pretty quick this That's time. Figured though. it out. That's figured good. It out. Nice. Hey, I should you? not be manning this. Uh, I am definitely a cook. I am not a baker. I hate baking. I hate it. I hate wow. it. I just am not. That's not true. That's not true. I'm fine with baking. You're like so good at everything you do in the kitchen. I just it's boring to me because of the whole recipe. Like 
Yeah. I just, I don't dig it at all. Um, and maybe it's also, I'm not like a sweets person. And I think of baking as usually yep. like a sweets thing. So that could be part of it too. But I am most absolutely more of a cook. Mm-hmm. Like I... You're such a good cook, by the way, that like if we're all planning a shindig together or whatever, and I tell my husband, he'll be like, is Kate cooking? Oh, that's really, that's nice. I mean, but yeah. Do you not know that that's everyone's reaction? Yeah, that's that's everyone's reaction in our social circle. (laughs) Cool. Um, And and I mean, and I enjoy it. Like that's that's one of the big things that I miss about, you know, the house was I that's so fun to me Mm -hmm. is have doing that whole like the the spread and all of the stuff and food and food and food. Um, But yeah, like definitely. I would say my mashed potatoes are always good, but they probably never taste the exact same every time mm-hmm. because. Pff, well, I, I've stolen your mashed potato technique. And now whenever we do potlucks at work, everybody asks me to bring in mashed potatoes. See, smart girl. Oh, she gets it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the trick is butter, really. That's oh, yes. so much butter. Always so much tr- butter. Always the trick. So but much. yeah, um, uh, as far as baking is concerned, I have like three things that I will bake that are easy to me dan really loves key lime pie and i've got like the easiest key lime pie recipe super quick and easy but like other than that and maybe like chocolate chip cookies Mm -hmm. definitely a cook so yeah cool wow good job baker baker cook baker baker hook baker baker hook Ooh, that's that's no not my new not my new Band, Band name? name. Nope. Not yet. That's not it. We haven't gotten there <clears throat> yet. That's not it. Um, so tell us, Miss Melissa, what shall we be drinking tonight? Um, so I have zero history. <laughs> That's okay right. because your kitchen smells amazing. It really does. It really um, does. So this is a drink and oh my God, I don't have the website up, Ooh. but we'll include it in the blog post where I found um, this drink. It's like classy girls wear pearls or something i know i knew amy my face face. my (laughs) face it's not yeah it's not a great name although we should not disparage them because i did steal this cocktail recipe from them and then kind of alter it a little bit Mm -hmm. um so it is a bourbon brunch cocktail um Mm. so kind of going along with like the waffle kind of thing and then brunchy i wanted to do kind of a breakfast thing and i found a lot of like chicken and waffles cocktails which were Ooh. really weird mm. um and i wasn't With into chicken them. and waffles as like garnishes or mostly like... yeah but okay. none of them were um was i like super excited to make uh yeah. <laughs> so i chose this one which did um include candied bacon as a garnish mm. which i'd never made before so i was super excited to try that um and this drink consists of bourbon whiskey um maple syrup pure maple syrup no fake shit all right um apple cider oh um and ginger beer oh my oh yeah and then it's garnished with a little mini eggo waffle and um candied bacon that sounds amazing that's adorable so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a break so i can mix the drink up and (laughs) we'll be right back Well, that was great. I really liked this place. Yeah, it's it's nice and sweet. Too sweet, which is just how I like it. (laughs) Peter, look what time it is. 12 hours from now, 
It's breakfast. 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 Steel cut Irish oatmeal with a little maple syrup. Uh, we can have coffee and almond milk. We can have rye toast or wheat toast or sourdough. With a little bread basket. Bread basket. Okay, but salt and pepper here, some sugar over here, maple syrup, honey. I can't wait for breakfast. Ah, uh, me neither. And we're back. Hey. We had some trouble with some candied bacon, <laughs> and now. Amy's is at the bottom of her glass. That's okay. I'm going to drink it all and then still eat it. <laughs> It'll be great. Um, Yeah, so everybody try your dreams so we can have weird, awkward silence. There's Whoa. a lot of bourbon in this, like a lot. Oh, all right. It smells very bourbony. Oh, yeah, clink. Cheers. Cheers. No spills this week. This is really... Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Wow. <laughs> I can taste the maple. So, Kate, maybe don't drink all of yours <laughs> since you're driving home. Wow. Oh, the Eggo waffle soaked up the bourbon. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, it sure did. Yep. yep. Oh, my God. Yep. Okay, so about this drink. Wow. Melissa. I'm not a huge fan of it. Mm. <laughs> it is strong. It is very strong. Um, so unless you are uh, a big bourbon drinker, you can hear all of us chewing. <laughs> That's okay. That just um, adds to the atmosphere. A big bourbon drinker, I would not recommend it because it's mostly bourbon. Let's just uh, talk about this candied bacon. I know. Though. Melissa let me s- steal a piece earlier. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm sad mine's at the bottom of my bourbon. You said you said you weren't sad. There's more out there. You can have crunchy ones okay. later. I promise. I mean, I'm still going to work my way down to this one. <laughs> but now this might just be my altered state. But this is possibly the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. It's really good. Holy Jesus. I right? mean, Greg didn't have that reaction to it. I had him try a piece and I went, how is it? He went, it's good. It's bacon. I was like, Greg. Oh, okay, but it's covered in uh, brown sugar, maple syrup, and cayenne pepper. I was going to so, say, what's which that? Is the best. What's that? Yeah. Cayenne. Yeah, it's a little nice. spicy. Got a little kick. Yeah. It really does. A little does. kick in there. <clears throat> now throw that on some chicken and waffles. I'm there. Oh, I'm out of coasters over here. Got too many drinks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow, wow. <laughs> you hit me in the badge. That's right. The it's these lightweight drunk dish coasters yeah never be used as a weapon <laughs> that's okay all right so we have our drink okay now. yes we so. do uh amy <laughs> tell us about waffles and globalism and how they're somehow connected i mean i guess technically you could connect anything to globalism because that's true whatever that's but globalism. i assume there is some sort of key connection or else you would have not picked the subject yes <laughs> so yes. let's go does it have to do with belgium I mean, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Um, so, obviously, there'll be, like, a full blog post up, too, with some of our research and stuff. I already put a blog post up on Drunk Dish about one of the key players that we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, there's two people we're going to be talking about. One is Thomas Jefferson, who we've talked about oh, a lot. Oh, my fucking God. Thomas Jefferson. Yep. He's coming home. Coming home. Yeah. <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, Melissa, you knew this was coming. He was off getting high with the French. Yep. Mm-hmm. This, this is going to be great. 
Melissa. All right, Thomas Jefferson. Who's the other person that we're talking about? Uh, Thomas Jefferson's. This is really pertinent to the conversation we were having off air earlier. Um, Thomas Jefferson's slave and cook. Um, I almost said the thing that I should not say. And, and <laughs> should I not say it? No. What is it's, it's a, but a racist said it. That's not true. Me. So earlier today, <laughs> earlier Sidebar. today at my place of work. Um, someone came in and I was talking about Mark Twain and the hilarious story of the time he set the forest around Lake Tahoe on fire. That, um, that Mark Twain. When he was being paid by a logging company to go and count the trees. I mean, it made his job easier. Much, yeah, much no, zero. No the number tree, zero. Yeah, no trees to count. <laughs> um, but we were talking about that and, and the person I was talking to about it said, oh, yes, at that time, surveyors would go out into the woods with indentured Negroes. And I just stopped and looked at him and said, do you mean slaves? <laughs> and he said, yes. Hmm. And then my face was like a gif of being <laughs> surprised and astonished and disgusted all at once. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. Because it's 2019. Yeah. It's 2019. And he was not an old man. And he was not an old man. He was... He He's was, not someone's 90-year-old grandfather that no. doesn't know how the world has changed. Right. No, he was 45. But also never heard slaves referred to in that manner either. Mm. Yes. Mm. I wonder if that's a northern... Like I said before, I wonder if it's a northern thing. To try and like... To make it sound not as bad. it over? Yeah. yeah. We didn't own slaves. We had indentured Negroes specifically. Mm. Which is gross. Mm. All around. Because indentured, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. implies mm. choice in the matter right, and right. pay of some sort. Um, and then that's just a horrible word, too. So anyways. So we're talking about Thomas Jefferson. We're talking about Thomas Jefferson. Indentured Negro. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, controversy is the only thing that's going to make this podcast happen, <laughs> you know. baby. Yeah. Listen to this white northerner. Oh, my God. <laughs> so much hate. So um, the other man we're talking about tonight is going to be James Hemmings. Oh, um, Sally's. Ah. Yeah. Excellent. Kate. Kate sh- looks I'm there with you. Knowingly. I am there with you. They share this. knowing knowing glances <laughs> yep. at each other. Blow so, out my microphone. Real quick. Brief, <laughs> brief background of waffles. Okay. So waffles uh, yes. are actually like super old. They were developed in the Middle Ages. Um, have you guys ever had like Pizzelli? Yeah. yeah, which is like it. Yeah. OK, mm-hmm. so like waffles were originally like that thin. Right. They were super, super thin. Um, them being thicker is a, a more of a modern thing. Um, it happened around the time that Thomas Jefferson started bringing them over to the New World, to the United States, what was then uh, the colonies during the revolution. Um, they were a really popular street food because you could make them in an iron, like heat them up like it didn't require a whole kitchen. And they're technically like a quick bread. So, yeah, and that's sense. part of the reason why we have waffle cones too, because it was really easy to make kind of on the fly and on the street. Um, so it's popularized that Thomas Jefferson is the one who like brought waffles to America. Honestly, though, pilgrims, actually the pilgrims that um, came over to found um, air quotes for those of you who can't see which is all of you um found america you know and we stole it from native indigenous people um well and also like not the first people that landed on also not the first america the first white people to land here too right um but pilgrims on their way to the quote-unquote new world they stopped in belgium for a brief period of time so they were introduced to waffles there There they brought them with them in the 1600s um, or excuse me, they stopped in Holland. 
Um, and then they transported the recipe with them to the New World. And then uh, they're really popular in New Amsterdam, which is today uh, New York. And they're popular by Dutch immigrants in the no. 1700s. Oh. All right. I was. It's okay. What? We got this. I what? don't know. That's all right. Okay. That was. And then the 1790s is when they actually become really popular outside of uh, communities of Dutch immigrants. Oh, okay. okay. The 1790s is when Thomas Jefferson returns back to the newly formed United States from uh, serving abroad in France and Belgium. Okay. I know you're, you're Kate is I'm, trying so hard I'm to not break in song. Really trying. We're doing this for you, Melissa. We really are. We are. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So Waffles. So grateful. Yeah. <laughs> waffles have been here for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Thomas Jefferson gets a lot of the attention around Waffles, mostly because of uh, his cook, which we'll talk about uh, James in a second. Uh, and then also the way that Jefferson uses food. So we called him like the first foodie and the father of cocktails. Like we've called him a lot of stuff on the show. And father on the of Jello shots. Yep. The father of Jello <laughs> shots. Thomas Jefferson literally revolutionized the way that we think of American cuisine. Just like he revolutionized America. There you oh, go. There you oh. are. That was good. That was yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Melissa does not appreciate my uh, revolutionary puns. They should have called him Jello shot. Yep. <laughs> oh boy. Yo, jello, jello shot. shot. <laughs> so when Thomas Jefferson, like, he brought over a bunch of food, not just waffles. So we're we're gonna talk mostly about waffles, but also a little bit about this other stuff too. So like, there's this whole mythology around the man and the food that he served. Um, resisting real hard to not break into another <laughs> Hamilton song. We're Jefferson <clears throat> arranges the venue, the, the menu, menu, the seating. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Jefferson introduces food like ice cream, baked Alaska. He's also an early vegetarian. So he introduces the concept of vegetarianism to the United States. Okay. Um, macaroni and cheese, craft cocktails, what we modernly know as French fries, jelly wine, a.k.a. jello shots, and... <clears throat> waffles mm. as well as like other things like creme brulee like the list goes on and on and on oh, and on and on creme brulee creme brulee that's he brings that back with him to yeah. to united states i know creme brulee mm. with ice cream oh was like a favorite of his wow. you don't need the ice cream i know you don't need but then the ice cream gets melty i think there's like a a thing he's going for right all right all right all right but the reason why jefferson has his mythology around him is cuz he uses food in a really really smart way he uses it to like ease political tensions between opponents so although kate and i were joking about that song from hamilton like jefferson really puts a lot of thought into his dinner parties and he uses his dinner parties as a way to introduce people to new food but also new ideas so these two things go hand in hand so as we're talking about waffles and globalism what we're really talking about is jefferson using food as a way to introduce people to European ideologies and new ways of thinking. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, there are some some like quick facts that I wanted to run down about Jefferson and his service in America's revolution abroad. So Jefferson served as an American foreign minister to France and he worked there garnering support for the revolution. 
Um, we actually signed a treaty with France when we were revolting against England because France hated England just as fucking much as we did. And we were like, we're going to take them down together. Um, France plays like a really important role in our revolution, but also in the years after our revolution, too. Like we set precedence as a country with our interactions with France about how, like how we now interact with foreign countries and foreign governments. Well, not not now how we did up until like six years ago. Well, right. Two years ago. Right. <clears throat> um, so. Sorry. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. So when Jefferson comes back from Europe, he brings with him a bunch of things, including a waffle iron. Okay. Um, he acquired that in his short time in Amsterdam. And then he also brings uh, to like, he, Jefferson takes meticulous records of everything. So like there's uh, um, one of the things I'll, I'll link to on the blog is uh, the Monticello blog, which is like, it has every record that Jefferson Neat. ever took. Um, he took like copious amounts of notes and there's like shipping ledgers from the time too that like itemize how many waffle irons he brought with him. <laughs> like it was it was that important that he had to take note of it. Um, so his shipping records at the time indicate that he brought uh, two with him. And then there's also uh, recipes and cookbooks that survive from his time too from before he was president. Um, and then there's two different recipes from Monticello for waffles that survived to this day too. Um, so I'll post, there's this really great uh, picture of the recipe book. And the one that we most commonly use today is actually originally attributed to Mrs. D. Peister, a Dutch New Yorker. Um, and she was an author of many cookbooks of the time. And um, she, she writes in her recipe book, some persons eat waffles with butter, sugar, and powdered cinnamon. I know we were talking earlier, Melissa, because you're like a waffle purist. Yeah. You're like butter. Maple syrup, syrup. Yeah. Um, although, like, I don't think I've ever had a waffle with powdered cinnamon. That sounds well, good, Well, doesn't too. that just mean cinnamon? Yeah. Wouldn't but, that just be like fried dough? Mm, I mean, which is fine with me. I mean, that's, right. yeah, no yeah. issues there. I mean, but. yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, but. But that's the difference, right? But like, like back then, if you said cinnamon, they made them in a cinnamon stick. Because right. that true, would be true, its true. natural form. Right. 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 Natural-ish form. Right. right. So. Um, but there, there's two different recipes. I'll put both of them up on the blog of what they are. And they have almost identical ingredients. Um, and then Jefferson used, like I said, he used food as a way to soften tensions. So he served things like ice cream to uh, the Hamiltons. And then the Hamiltons ended up introducing it to the Washingtons. And like, so like he would, he was like renowned of like what he would serve at his uh, estates in Monticello. And then later when he was in New York too, um, working in the, the government. Yeah. What is the <laughs> word? I can't think of words. I'll get there. It's in my notes. The legislature? Yeah, he was the secretary of state. Okay. He was the first secretary of state for the United States okay. government. Um, so Jefferson gets all the credit, but I want to talk a little bit about the man behind the scenes too, who's James Hemings. Um, James Hemings has an amazing and tragic, tragic life. Oh. Um, so he was born a slave. He arrived at Monticello at nine years old with his siblings and his mother. And he was part of an inheritance package for Jefferson's wife, Martha Wales you, Jefferson. You, you win that on Wheel of Fortune? Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you bet the right amount for the inheritance package and it comes with a whole family uh, of slaves. <laughs> uh, so her 
Um, so Martha Jefferson, Jefferson's wife, her dad uh, raped Hemings' mother and father James and all of his siblings. So technically, James Hemings was not only Jefferson's property, but also one of his in-laws. Fun fact. And his wife's brother. And his wife's brother. Oh. Yep. So as Oof. it, yeah, it's it's it, it gets more and more fucked up, y'all. Um, as a teen, he <clears throat> served as a personal attendant to Jefferson along with his brother, and then he um served like proved himself really quote unquote valuable. I this is like what all the research says. I hate that they say he proved himself valuable because like right. human life is valuable, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, well, you're only as valuable as your labor, so. right? So he um, provided safe passage for Jefferson's family, a.k.a. his fucking sister and his nieces and nephews, um, moving them uh, back to Monticello when Benedict Arnold uh, threatened to attack Richmond, Virginia, because the Jefferson family was in Richmond, Virginia. And he was like, I will make sure that they get back home safely. And then he did just that. Um, And then when Jefferson is appointed to France... Uh, he decides he's going to take Hemings with him to train him in the art of French cooking. So here's a fun way that we have whitewashed history. <laughs> and that's when I was doing all of the research for this and research for previous episodes, too, when we we're talking about the founding fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the things I was reading, like in, in books and posts and articles, said Jefferson took his chef with him to train in the art of French cooking. None of them said his enslaved chef. Like, right. like he didn't have a... So, like, you're reading Jefferson took his chef and you're thinking, like, wow, what a great, like, work opportunity to be able to study abroad and learn from the masters. Well, but then, and like... You also think, wow, this guy... Did he also... Was this the first personal chef? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, but no. Oh, no. also he was his brother-in-law. Yeah. Also his brother-in-law. Right. <laughs> so, like, there's layers here that I feel like our history books could do way better at uh, at covering. Um so he while he was there in France, he was able to study with Monsieur uh I'm gonna say his name wrong, Com Combu. Combu. Um, who's a caterer <laughs> and a really famous pastry, pastry chef. Don't make fun of my horrible French pronunciations. What am I here for? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. My mother, who literally spoke and sang French to me as a child, is gonna be like cringing if she ever hears this. Um and then after three years of studying with that dude, the caterer, he ends up becoming a head chef at the Hotel de Linguet. Uh, and he actually is allowed again air quotes for those of you who can't see me which is all of y'all um, he's allowed all y'all. <laughs> to earn a living wage living wage right right because it's the 1700s and like what you can play, pay a man of color is significantly less than what you can pay a white man or a man of European descent hey at least he was getting paid he yeah. should be grateful yeah so back then it was like something that northerners are like I guess woke people woke oh my for the God. fucking shit oh my God. would do was that they would actually like let out their slaves to like mm-hmm. earn a living wage or earn a la- a wage so that they po- they'd get pocket money so like as the slave owner you would be responsible for housing them for providing them for clothes and then um like they would have to do your bidding night and day but you could make a deal with your neighbor down the road and be like hey I'm going to let my slave out to you and you're going to have to pay him. And then you could collect like a little bit on top of the wage from your neighbor or you could let your slave like earn the whole amount that they were earning. Oh, so gracious. Yeah. It's a fucked up system, man. Yeah. 
So that's what Jefferson did. He allowed. Well, yeah, uh, he was such a great guy. Yeah, he was such a great guy. It gets better. I mean, he created jello shots. How could he be bad? Oh, wait, he's a fucking bro. It gets worse. (laughs) It gets way worse. (laughs) So at this hotel, this is actually where Jefferson is staying during his time in France. So it sounds like he's allowing James Hemings to like go out and earn his own wage, like outside of the Jefferson household. But what Jefferson's really doing is saying, like, I want you to cook for me. Right. In this place that I have like appropriated as a makeshift U.S. embassy. And serve me all the food I want, but also all of the diplomats that I'm hosting here, too. So this is when Jefferson starts to use food as a way to bridge politics and bridge divides and talk to people from other countries and other nationalities and garner support for the American Revolution. So he's using food as a really key strategic way of doing that. So his training James Hemings in the way of French cooking, although like it may sound benevolent... Like there's an ulterior motive. It's because Jefferson knows the importance of food. Like the metaphorical breaking of bread is is actually like really important to this fledgling fledgling country's politics. Um. So while he's there, he serves international diplomats, French aristocrats, and like I said, this place it's on the outskirts of Paris, and it serves as like a makeshift embassy before there were physical embassies. So up until this point, the term embassy was just used to describe like a uh, convoy of people like a group of people who would go from one country to the next to represent the the um, needs of that country right so like a french embassy wouldn't be like a specific building or place it would be a group of people there to advocate on behalf of the french government okay so this is the first time the embassy is being used in that manner and then Jefferson gets called back to the united states after the revolution is done washington asks him to become secretary of state um, trying real hard not to break right. out in song. <laughs> Thank you, Kate. Um, and then Hemings organizes Jefferson's first American kitchen returning home. So like he's put in charge. So Jefferson comes home and he says, like, no longer are you my personal attendant. Like you are the head chef. And Jefferson's he has to because at this point it was before um, the United States Capitals moved to Washington, D.C., which is like considered a neutral area, although it's kind of like a, a way to appease the South when they're when they're forming the government and assuming who's going to assume state's debts. Like, it's a whole thing when they move the the capital to Washington, D.C. Kate's trying real hard not to break out in song again. Um, but, so at this time, the, the government, the United States government, is in New York. So Jefferson's trying to find a house in New York. He hates them all. He wants his big <laughs> southern plantation, plantation. mansion. Mm-hmm. Can't find that in New York. They're all smaller city homes, but he makes do... Um, and then James Hemings organizes the first kitchen and starts hosting instead of like French diplomats and aristocrats and and European officials, they start hosting like everyone there. So they host the Washingtons, they host, like all the founding fathers come to dine with Jefferson in addition to any foreign diplomats that happen to come and visit this fledgling country's government. So it has at this point has James's prowess in the kitchen become renowned like has do people know you got am i no they know jefferson oh that's the fucked up thing about all this Mm -hmm. is that everybody's Mm -hmm. just like jefferson knows how to put on a show jefferson Mm -hmm. knows how to arrange a menu all right when like really it's james right in the kitchen working his ass off right like you know it was hot in there oh yeah yes 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 um so jefferson's hosting diplomats and cabinet members and everyone at his new york house James Hemings is 
like helping make these menus and he's the one actually cooking these meals allowing jefferson to do all the things that he ends up doing in government like jefferson's responsible for creating a two-party system in this country he uh provides the first dissenting opinions from washington and the federalists um he's the like first advocate for states rights like there's a bunch of stuff that he's like pushing against the grain and none of that would be possible none of these discussions would be possible if he wasn't whining and dining his opponents just as much as he was his the people he agreed with so i want to talk a little bit about globalism in like modern terms versus jefferson's terms because this episode is about waffles and globalism mm-hmm. right um so globalism today it's really a national policy of treating the whole world as a proper sphere for political influence so that means essentially like when you're considering what to do in the united states you aren't just considering about the impact it's going to have here on our country you're considering the impact it's going to have on the world abroad right so um you can see that like when we see uh horrible fucking Republican senators go to African countries and help them pass legislation that outlaws homosexuality and puts mm-hmm. people to death, right? And the things that like that are trying to be happening here versus the things that the Supreme Court have voted on, like all these different things that are happening here, like what impact does it have on the world stage? And the American Revolution is really the first time that that happens. We were the first fucking colonies to say, shut the fuck up to England and win. We were the first ones. And it starts this whole chain reaction. The French Revolution happens because the American Revolution is successful. Right. If the French Revolution didn't happen, Napoleon wouldn't have been put in power. Um, you know, you have other colonies throughout the seventeen late 1700s, early 1800s rebelling as well, too. You have India advocating to become a free nation. Again, you have um, all these colonies in Africa and Asia. So, like, we created this, like, whole catalyst thing and that was part of the reason why jefferson went abroad he went to the french government and he went to the french people to say like look we want to challenge england but also like look what's possible if we work together there is something that is better than having a monarchy like we can create a more perfect society right we can go towards democracy so these ideas of globalism and taking bits and pieces from other countries um you know political ideologies to make our own they start at this time and jefferson uses food and uses waffles as a key way to do all of that <laughs> well i mean food brings people together i was just gonna say waffles bring people together <laughs> yeah yeah it's true who doesn't yes. like waffles no one uh fascists. fucking maniacs yeah and fascists <laughs> um so at the time of jefferson too There are these two ideas that Jefferson starts to pioneer. One is called Empire of Liberty, which we commonly know in modern times as Manifest Destiny. So an Empire of Liberty is like something that we we has like modern, I I don't know, I guess ramifications. Like when we talk about spreading democracy through the world, that's Uh. that same idea, Empire of Liberty. It's that like we've figured it out. We've cracked the right way of being and we must spread this way to all the people AKA of the world. AKA U.S. imperialism. Exactly. AKA Mormons. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or any sort of Christian mission where they're like, oh, we'll help you, but. Uh... AKA viruses. Oh. oh. Seriously. Good. Kate drawing some parallels. <laughs> yes. Dang. Um, so this idea starts with Jefferson. Okay is this idea of empire of liberty which is funny because that's the exact fucking thing he's fighting england against 
in the revolution is that England says there's one way of being and we disagree, right? The other one is called entangling alliances. Um, so Jefferson, like I said, the American Revolution spurs off like other revolutions throughout the world. The French Revolution um, starts to, to pick up steam after we are successful. And then Jefferson wants us to go to the aid of the French people. And it's this huge fucking debate in America of like, what are we going to do? Because we signed a treaty with the French. What are we going to do? Are we going to support the French? Technically, the treaty we signed is with a dude who's now dead. Because he's been executed at the guillotine. He's super dead. Super dead. <laughs> Another Hamilton reference. Um, <laughs> poor Melissa. She's just shaking her head. She's working her way through this episode. <laughs> She's over it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So there's a, like this question of like how involved do we get? and foreign affairs so this question of globalism comes up because we've built this nation on this idea of like we can take the best parts of of everyone else's governments and everyone else's ideologies and build something that is more perfect and better than any anywhere else and that's what we've done and then it's like oh but our allies need help and jefferson at the at the at first is like yes we got to go help the french and and a lot of the other uh people in washington like george washington himself and hamilton are like no no, we can't go help. It's going to completely entangle us. Like, we are such a weak country. And Jefferson We're brandy new. We're yeah, brandy we're brandy new. new. Yeah. yeah. And then what happens, because we don't help, is Napoleon comes into power. And then it starts a new age of imperialism. And then... <laughs> yeah. And then when Jefferson becomes president, he actually completely, like, reverses his, like, earlier opinions when he was Secretary of State. And he says, you know what? America should not be getting involved in any foreign affairs. We need to just focus on us. We need to take advantage of things, like the Louisiana Purchase, when when we see that there's a global ki- climate that will enable us to further our own missions and our own ends... But we can't be going outside of our borders and meddling in other people's affairs. So that's what that um, the entangling alliances ideology is about, too. So um, it's funny because this whole time, too, like Jefferson is continuing to like wine and dine, not just political people, but also like the the great thinkers of the day so he's inviting people into his household who are writers or poets or artists and jefferson has this like really egalitarian idea like he's one of the people too that that makes it so that in order to vote you don't have to be a landowner you don't like he he's trying to make the government more accessible to the common people right and he's again doing this through food so earlier when i talked about waffles being like a quick bread they're like really easy like street food kind of food like he serves really simple things like he doesn't serve like overly complicated meals to his guests he serves things that kind of make people take stock and like stop and think this is new this is interesting and then he hits him with new and interesting ideas too so that's part of the reason why like even though jefferson is a really problematic person in history he like our world and our country would not be the way it is without him um, he also, too, at his dinner parties, he would uh, seat people pell-mell. Do you guys know what that means? No. Okay. Just randomly? Just randomly. Okay. Yeah. So, like, um, <laughs> which is which was, like, a huge faux pas at the time. Like, people would strategically seat people next to each other so that they would know that there would be good, lively conversation and there would be no arguments. And he'd be like, fuck that. I want people to, like, talk. Like, I want people to argue. I want people to debate stuff. So he would just seat people randomly 
or strategically seat people next to each other who we would know we're gonna yeah you would know who would butt heads <clears throat> um and then he would also work really closely too with hemmings to design these menus um and he advised presidents and politicians on menus and wine pairings too so like not only would he arrange his own dinner parties in this way too he was acting as like an advisor to other political people at the time he's like okay you want to get this bill passed or you want to accomplish this in the senate you should seat these people you should invite these people you should serve this food and all of it was part of this like big plan like i said of like understanding the combination of like great thinking and great food together like having that kind of bleed together and something i read too is really funny is that like the revolution would not have happened if it wasn't for booze because like <laughs> like <laughs> you this, get those rabble rousers rabbled yeah, up. <laughs> yeah. well there was no potable water at the time too mm-hmm. so like people had to fucking drink coffee tea or alcohol those are the only three things that yeah. you could drink like and be sure you wouldn't die of dysentery so um the founding fathers would not have like gotten so riled up and been so confident if it hadn't been for alcohol and like washington used to have these like huge tabs open at bubs and just be like rounds on me everybody and like pay for everybody's booze and jefferson would invite everybody over to monticello and be like and get them all boozed and liquored up too because that's when the ideas start flowing that's when people start talking that's why i have my best ideas yeah people are much (laughs) more pliable too like yeah you know um, there's a really great quote from Daniel Webster at the time, too, because, like I said, he in, he would host like, like famous authors and artists and stuff, too. And he said that the dinners at Monticello were served in half Virginian, half French style and in good taste and abundance. So, like, his dinner parties were fucking legendary. Um, sometimes today, I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, but, like, globalism can take on a negative connotation today, especially when you look at, like, fake news. People are, like, right wing nut jobs. And they talk about globalism as like this mass conspiracy to control the world by like a select minority yeah, group that yeah. they're trying to alienate. You um, are the select minority group, yeah. pricks. Yeah. <laughs> they don't get that, though. No, Thanks, do, YouTube, for your shitty that. algorithms for making those people more famous. Um, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so Jefferson's like even jefferson has roots in that too because like i said his early like his early desires to help our allies like faded once he became president and then he was like you know what we need to like stay out of global politics like we need to have a less active role too so there's this kind of like paranoia that develops when he becomes president and um there's also too like this um unwillingness to to um like open up to the outside like we're focused on our mission on our manifest destiny on spreading our gospel but like we don't want to fucking hear what everybody else is going on right well unless it's socialism and then we'll tariff them into oblivion right (laughs) and it's funny because this like shift in ideology also coincides with james hemming's life so like james hemming's he's the man behind jefferson he's the cook he's working in the background and when jefferson becomes president at this point james hemmings has has managed to negotiate his own freedom oh shoot so like there's actually two instances throughout james hemmings life where he's able to negotiate freedom and chooses not to so when he's in france with jefferson the french law at the time said that he could actually um petition the french courts to become a free man Mm. and he actually used his wages that he was earning as the head chef at the that hotel to take french lessons so he would have been well versed like he would have known this you know and he doesn't utilize it 
And then there's another time, too, later um, when Jefferson comes back home. He's bouncing around between New York and Philadelphia because they're trying to figure out where the capital of the United States is going to be. And again, in Philadelphia, Hemings could have petitioned the courts because at that time in certain northern cities and northern states, slavery was um, like starting to, to be less and less popular. So slaves could petition the courts to gain freedom. It's like a horrible fucking classist system because you had to be like in like well read enough and well connected enough to understand the law yeah but like james hemmings was Was. yeah so like he could have again petitioned jefferson and he chooses not to you mentioned earlier when we said oh sally sally hemmings yeah yeah. so my completely like unprofessional opinion his sister sally hemmings is thomas jefferson's famed I'm going to say mistress, although I disagree with that word choice, because, again, she was a fucking slave. That's rape. Like, <laughs> that's rape. Um, so not only are the Hemming siblings, which I think there are six in total, in-laws of Jefferson. Jefferson then takes Sally Hemings. He takes her uh, to France, too, along with James. So he takes sure. both of them. Sure, sure, sure. Yep. Um, and then Thomas Jefferson fathers several children by Sally Hemings, too, which is James's sister. So his nieces and nephews. Yeah. Mm. So it's like get like so when earlier I was like it gets worse like mm. it gets worse. Um, so their family is like really entangled, and by so by the time Jefferson becomes president in the United States, James has negotiated his freedom. He's done so in a way which I feel like must have left him so fucking conflicted because Jefferson gives him this ultimatum and says, "You can become a free man if you train a suitable replacement." <sighs> And Jefferson mm. says, I get to pick who that replacement is. And he picks James's younger brother. Mm. So James knows he can become a free man if and only if he trains his younger brother to take his place. <laughs> it's like so fucked up. Yeah. Right? It's like, like it's so fucked up. Sophie's choice. Right? Not really, but it's. But I it's, mean, to be fair, though, even if he doesn't negotiate his freedom, his brother's still a slave. Right. Right. And I mean,. I'm not saying like Thomas yeah. Jefferson is some like he's like this benevolent person that's like I'll give you this opportunity. I'm just saying in terms of like having to make that choice like your brother's a slave either way. Right. But you could train him and then maybe he gets to a point where he can negotiate his freedom. Right. Kind of thing. So Hemings agrees. He trains his brother. His brother becomes the chef. And then when uh, Jefferson wins the election and Aaron Burr, sir, <laughs> becomes the vice president. <laughs> um, Jefferson writes to Hemings because although he's got Hemings' younger brother to be a chef, no one can compete with James cooking and James' knowledge in the k- uh, kitchen and his ability to plan menus. So he writes. At this point, James Hemings is like a, is a chef at like a, a pub. Um, I think in Philadelphia and he writes to Hemings and he says, hey, would you come to the White House like as a free man and like a paid professional chef like I will pay you. And Hemings writes back and he says, like, well, I don't want to come unless you're like really serious. And then Jefferson doesn't write again (gasps) because he goes, oh, well, like if he doesn't jump at this opportunity. Like, I don't want to compel him against his will. Sure. Oh, right. Because now against, against his, his will, will Yeah. Right? 
And all the time, too, Jefferson is fathering children <clears throat> by James's sister. sister, right? So it's really fucked up. Um, so eventually, like, they resolve whatever, I'm going to use air quotes here, miscommunication the two were having. And James Hemmings returns as a chef to Monticello, not to the White House. Okay. Because by that point, Jefferson had, like, I guess, waited long enough or whatever to, to hear his answer back um, and, and hired someone else to be the chef at the White House. So James comes back to Monticello, and then within six months of coming back to Monticello, he commits suicide. Oh, no. Yeah. What? Yeah. Why? Um, letters back and forth. Like, Jefferson writes home and says, like, is it true? Did James Hemings commit uh, suicide? And then the person that writes Jefferson back says, yes. Um, you know, he just liked alcohol too much. So we think that like he was drunk. He ran, he walked in front of a carriage like intentionally. And they, they think that like, because he was abusing substance like alcohol, that like that was proof that he wanted to die. I think James Hemings had a fucking horrible life. Yeah. Although like also well, like, like an insane, amazing, interesting life, but filled with tragedy and horrible ambiguity and the inhumaneness of slavery (laughs) of the institution of slavery but i think it's important to note that when james hemmings is no longer jefferson's cook like jefferson's political ideologies start to shift and then the way he uses food starts to shift too so when he's secretary of state that's when james hemmings is his right-hand man and they're like using food in these dinner parties as his way to get things done by the time he's president he's stopped using these things as tools he's changed his mind about how heavily america should be involved in foreign politics like he's kind of shut himself off so and i wonder like how much of that is informed by like lack of access to the right kind of like food the right kind of cook to be able to to use that as a Maybe as a somebody tool. Who else who's challenging you the same way that you want to be challenging your dinner party right. guests? Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think it's like there's when we talk about America, like we talk about America as like this big melting pot, right? But I don't think America is a melting pot at all i don't think it ever has been like a melting pot implies that we take all of these ideas and we blend them together to make something new and magical and it's not that which it's like it's fine that it's not that i think we're like more of like um like an all-you-can-eat buffet where like you can come to the table and like pick what you want to pick like yes there's like we have laws obviously and we have a constitution we have a way of doing things but I think the thing that we keep learning time and time again when we're talking about McCarthyism and the mm. Red Scare, when we're talking about the revolution, is that, like, you can't just, like, quell down these opposing ideologies. You have to kind of just welcome them and, like... Try, I, to, try to actually yeah. work with other people. Exactly. That don't have the same opinions as you. And I like the idea of, like, America's this big fucking dinner party with, like, food from all over the world. Yeah. And we get to pick and choose, like, what makes sense for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Like, I guess the question is just, yeah, at, you know, at any all-you-can-eat buffet, some of the stuff is way shittier than the rest of the stuff. Oh, yes. So, like, you don't <laughs> eat the sushi at the all-you-can-eat buffet, right? Ooh, definitely not. Yeah. 
So Unless you want the poops. I like I like the analogy. That's good. That's I'm good. Trying to I'm just looking at that bacon at the bottom of your glass. <laughs> I'm gonna get there eventually. It's gonna be so weird and soggy. Mm-mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you that crispy bit was just pretty crispy bit. Yeah. Ooh, crispy bit. Mm, I don't think that's it. Yeah, I don't no. think we found a single good band name for you no, this episode. No, no. No, I went in our conversations. I found one for us. Oh, it's a bougie baby beach party. Yeah, <laughs> that is good. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, my kids got invited to a bougie baby beach party this week. So nice. Everybody's have- wearing vineyard vines. I don't know. One of the kids was wearing juicy, juicy yeah. couture mm-hmm. swimsuit. That's not bougie, though. That's like That's just sweet. trashy. That's I don't know. weird. That's a weird one. Isn't yeah. it weird? That I don't know. Weird. But there were mansions with like gilded oh. gates and intercom systems. Where and, the freak was this? Uh, it was at a very fancy country club oh. on Lake Winnipesaukee on an island. It was the Governor's Island Club. Of course it was. I feel like I should put my pinky out when I say you that. You definitely should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All the people were very yeah. nice. I just felt very out of place. Yeah. Anyways. So. Bougie baby beach party. Yeah, love it's a it. Good one. Love it. It's mm-hmm. a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> so, do you guys understand how waffles and globalism are connected? Waffles built America. Waffles built America. <laughs> That's great. That's what I got from that, and then mm-hmm. a lot of um, Hamilton references that I blocked out. Yeah, I could see you like blocking them by like turning your eyeballs into the back of your head. <laughs> I don't know this. what you mean. Someday we'll get you there. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I go see it. Then I'll make maybe I'll make references right along with you. Yeah, that's great. Do you mm-hmm. have eight hundred dollars for a ticket? Yeah, is that cool? Can you can you spot us? How is that my problem? I'm just saying <laughs> you can't wait till every musical becomes financially accessible to the masses. There's no other way to see it. You could listen to it. Yes. I need to. see You could it. see it in your mind's I need eye. To see it. Mm-hmm. How Unlike is that Manuel Miranda or whatever supposed to be my new boyfriend if I don't see him? I mean, you don't. You're not going to see him anyways because he's not in the Broadway production That's true. anymore. That's accurate. That's true. I mm-hmm. can watch him in like every movie. Yeah, like you could hear him in Moana. You could watch him in the new Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. He's in the new Golden Compass show. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. All right. I think he might be in that new Cats. Thomas show. Jefferson's coming. The movie. Home. Fuck. That nightmare fuel. Seriously. Seriously. That is nightmare fuel. I just so, want to say, we all agree that Cats the Musical is trash to oh begin god. with. And then Cats the Musical the movie. Oh my god. They have so many people in trash. it. So many so people. So many people in it. it but they obviously didn't so see the CG. Bad. And all those people signed on, they thought, oh. hey, this I'll is look the like, sixth I'll, highest grossing musical of all time. Yeah, obviously it's going to be I'll look like wonderful. a cat. No, yeah. you don't look anything like a no, cat. You, you look, look like a furry's wet dream. But so, not, not even a furry's wet dream because a furry would want you to look more like a cat. A furry's <laughs> worst nightmare. So let's put this in context, ladies. We watched It last weekend. <laughs> And it was terrifying. It was better but, than the cat. But trailer. that cat's trailer is more scary. Yeah, than I showed it that was. cat's trailer to Jake and he, my husband Jake, and he had nightmares that night, just like I had nightmares too. But he had <laughs> nightmares that night 
uh, that involved Renee Zellweger transforming into a cat. But she's not in it. I know. But I also made him watch the new What If trailer because no. I know someone who's writing it's for that so show. It's so freaking weird, that trailer. Yeah. How about, it's so you, weird. Did you see the new the Judy Garland trailer with Renee Zellweger? Yes. I know. I, I heard about it, but oh, I have not seen the trailer. She looks good as she as old Judy. Looks the makeup is amazing. I just the just depressing as fuck. Who wants to watch that? Yeah. I mean, I watch the Judy Garland. I watch stuff to make me cry all the time. Like though. TV oh. one, mm. and that went right up through. It had Judy Davis playing old Judy Garland, and she was perfect. Yeah. And it was really depressing yeah. and sad. Oh god. Anyways. So that was your summary, right? Yeah. Your summary that you wrote. We still did that thing. We still did that thing where we just talked about other stuff for five minutes. I was, and I go, wait, what did we learn? I was looking at the time and I was like, mm, we're running a little short. What? <laughs> we need to pad this. What can we talk about that has nothing to do with this episode at all? How short are we? Is this going to be our shortest episode? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh. I didn't have anything for my drink, and that's yeah. usually like at least 30 minutes. I so. figured I would talk about Hamilton way longer. I think that was my <laughs> She was not having it. There was no... I was, know. Every time I would make direct eye yeah. contact with Melissa, every mm-hmm. Hamilton reference would yeah. be like, do you get it? Knowing she wouldn't get it. Mm-hmm. And then she would just have this dead look in her eyes yeah, and she was going to kill me. dead look mm-hmm. right now. Next time, we're going to get make all the Hamilton references, but we're not going to tell you. I'm not going to look at you like that, yeah. too. I know, though. I still know. Because <laughs> you guys look at each other. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Did you get it? You get it? You got it? You pick it up what I'm putting down? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You know what yeah. I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So, yeah. So what did we learn? What did we learn today? That's an episode oh, that Thomas Jefferson was a rapist. Well, that, too. <laughs> but didn't we already know that? That wasn't new information. Yeah, that's true. I don't think I ever looked at him as a rapist. I think I always just looked at him as someone who fathered children with a slave but i mean there's that... a power dynamic no there no no where, like a woman cannot consent yeah no 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 that's right you're 100 right you're 100 <laughs> right i just never i never thought about it that yeah. much mm-hmm. just uh, like just like all the problematic terms white people use to, to describe uncomfortable uh, situations about race in this country just call it what it is. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. We have to confront it. Otherwise, we will repeat it yeah. and be horrible fucking people for all time. I just, mean, well, that's going to happen regardless. Yeah. Just learn to be better. Just be better. Uh, and then he brought waffles at some point. I don't really know. And how creme we, brulee. I don't really know how waffles tie in. But I know that he brought a lot of food over. Waffles were from a France. food of the people. They were quick bread. They were street food. Okay, but you right? need a special iron. And to then make he them. served it to really fucking fancy bougie politicians. You know what? I will. I will. I'm gonna say, and this then we can whatever. But we also learned before that hot dogs also were used in this same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's a it's real bourbony, huh? This drink is yeah, not good. I'm, I'm struggling. <laughs> But Amy's I'm, is probably very bacony. It is very bacony, <laughs> and I can't tell when I'm sipping from it if my lips are touching ice or bacon. It weirds me out. I'm like, oh, what is that? All right, new game show: ice, ice or, or bacon. bacon. <laughs> uh, sorry, what were you but, saying, Kate? I was just saying I find it. I, I like that you know some of these big deal events and people and like get served like hot dogs and waffles yeah and it's the food of the people and that's like that's the thing that i think is cool is that jefferson because he had this like really egalitarian view on the world was he he was like i'm not gonna like 
like serve overly complicated dishes just for the sake of serving overly complicated dishes i'm gonna serve food that gets people talking and thinking yeah. right like, this is food that like people on the street had access to the reason why jefferson's credited with introducing it to america is because he served it to the fucking president yeah that'll like, do it that's why right yeah nice cool 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 so yeah amy tell us about the blog what, the blog what type of stuff goes up on there is amazing <laughs> um i have an article up about james hemmings already um because he's the real hero here um i i go into detail about his life and how he uh supported jefferson and it's more depressing than this whole podcast episode so just get ready for that Ugh, um yay. there's also recipes up on the blog from uh previous episodes too about jefferson and his uh how he's the father of jello shots <laughs> jelly wine um, there's a lot of stuff about Jefferson up on the blog right now. We're going to be posting the drink that we're drinking tonight as well and a few other um, tangently related posts and recipes over the next week. So feel free to see there. And then we'll also post a quick recap with all of our fun research pictures and all of the sources I used to. So if any of this stuff sounds remotely interesting to you, you guys will have more sources to dig deeper and find out more stuff. Very cool. Very cool. Follow us on all the social things. All the social things. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Just look up Drunk Dish. Subscribe on your f- favorite platform, whatever that is. Uh, Apple Music is a real pain in the ass, and you really have to dig to find us, but we are in there. I promise. But then Spotify, uh, Google, Pocket mm-hmm. Cast, all of those were available on. So, And we will be posting. We um, we embed the Spotify uh, episodes on our blog. So if you don't have a preferred podcasting service, feel free to, to just go to the blog and you can listen to us there too. Um, we, we only embed Spotify versus other ones because it's the easiest to embed. Um, yeah, it's the only one that works. And I'm not super <laughs> technologically savvy, even though both Melissa and I work, have worked for a technology company. Yeah, no, I couldn't figure it out either. Yeah. I just so. thought, I'm like, Amy's doing something stupid. Why isn't this working? And then I couldn't get it to work either. So, yeah, whatever. So you can listen on our blog, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I think that's all we got. Is that all we got? I think so. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs> Seventeen, set, set, seventeen, set, set, seventeen, seventeen, eighty-nine. How does the bastard, orphan, immigrant, decorated war vet unite the colonies through more debt? Fight the other founding fathers till he has to forfeit. Have it all, lose it all. You ready for more yet? Treasury Secretary Washington's the president. Every American experiment sets a precedent. Not so fast, someone came along to resist him. Pissed him off until we had a two-party system. You haven't met him yet, you haven't had the chance. Cause he's been kicking ass as the ambassador to France. But someone's gotta keep the American promise. You simply must meet Thomas. Thomas! And the world still spins I have lost
Lafayette draft a declaration Then I said I gotta go I gotta be in Monticello Now the work at home begins So what did I miss? What did I miss? Mm. Virginia, my home sweet home I wanna give you a kiss the late 80s I traveled the wide wide world and came back to this there's a letter on my desk from the president haven't even put my bag down yet Sally BLM darling won't you open it it says the president's assembling a cabinet and then I end up being the secretary of state great and I'm already sending a proof I just got home and now I'm headed up to New York the rolling fields, I can't believe that we are free. Ready to face whatever's awaiting me in NYC. But who's waiting for me when I step in the place? My friend James Madison, red in the face. He grabs my arm and I respond, What's going on? Thomas, we are engaged in a battle for our nation's very soul. You get us out of the mess we're in Hamilton's new financial plan is nothing less than government control I've been fighting for the South alone Where have you been, uh, France? We have to win well, What did I miss? Something to say I'm already gone my way To get to the bottom of this What did I miss? Oh. Mr. Jefferson, welcome home Mr. Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton Mr. Jefferson, welcome home Mr. Jefferson, welcome home Sir, you've been off in Paris For so long So what did I miss?